Won't you guys go ahead and be seated? Sweet time of singing this morning. I want to take just a second here and kind of set up my friend as he's going to come and share God's Word uh, with us. I said this in the early service, so I'll say it again. I think one of the great joys in being in ministry or just being a part of a church is seeing somebody's life changed and radically changed. And I think Derek would tell you from the first time he uh, stepped on the foot of this campus, I don't know what, eight years ago, uh, this is a, a man whose life has been radically changed by Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. He's not the man he was eight years ago, not the man he was a year ago. That's called transformation, sanctification. We're all in that process of becoming more and more like Jesus. But now God's equipped him and preparing, prepared him, and we're now ready as a church to send he and Kayla and their family out from our church which, by the way, is a goal for us, something we want to see happen over and over and over again, that we see people come to know Christ, transformed by Jesus, and then sent out from this place to unreached people groups, to cities in our nation where there's very few churches, very little gospel witness, that we as a church get to be a part of that. So you may or may not know, very quickly, Derek and Kate will be traveling to uh, Denver, Colorado to plant. They'll be there in about a year from now. Uh, in the meantime, they're going to be training in Louisville, Kentucky, so today really marks the last time he'll be one of our pastors in official capacity. Uh, puts on the church planner cap, as I said earlier. So many of you have been impacted by his ministry, he and Kayla, over the past few years. He's been impacted through you and this church, and it's a real joy for him now to come and share God's word. I'm going to give you some updates on what God's doing in their life. And uh, let me just give you, give you this. March 7th, or May 7th, that's next Sunday. Uh, our family meeting will be at the Johnson City campus, 6 p.m. Sunday night. Be there. I'll just say that. If you're part of this church, be there. We're going to commission this family and officially send them out, uh, share some other really important things in the life and the future of our church. That's next Sunday. So this is, you okay? I'm sorry. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. There he goes. I'm good. The tears have already started, if you want to know. But that's when we're officially, we'll officially commission this family this morning. I'm going to pray for you. He's going to share God's word, share his heart. Um, I want to ask you that the point this morning is not even necessarily Derek. He knows that. It's what Jesus has done in their life and even more so what Jesus could do in your life this morning through God's word. So I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for us, for me, for you, that we would have ears to hear what the spirit of God has to say to us. The testimony on their life is Jesus. The testimony on their life is yes. They're saying yes to what Jesus has called them to do. I hope that's all our story and our testimony. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you again for this morning. I thank you that we can sing songs like we just sang with a full heart, Lord. How wonderful it is, how glorious it is to, to be known by you and to be redeemed by you and to be your child. And God, I thank you for the life change that we have seen in families like the Sherfies and many others. I pray for my friend, my brother, my co-laborer, and I pray this morning that you will speak through him. And I pray this morning, dear God, that you would give us, to, us ears to hear what you want to say through your servant and your word this morning. We love you, and may our answer to you be yes as you lead and direct our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So church, why don't you welcome Derek this morning.
So the over-under on how many times I'm going to cry, I think it's set to 3.5. Uh, so I don't know. I held it together pretty good at the 930. I'll try to see what we can do uh, this service. Okay, have your Bibles, grab them. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Well, we continue in our series that we've been uh, doing together as a church family. And as you're turning there, let me just uh, say to you that I am so uh, thankful to be able to hold out God's Word uh, to you today. I'm always thankful uh, to preach God's Word for God's people. But today, as uh, you already heard, this is just different for me. I've, this is a first for me. I've never had to preach for the last time uh, as a pastor to you. And so my heart is going through a lot of just different emotions and looking back and being nostalgic and all just different things. And so, uh, But I also know that my heart is just... Uh, the best word I can use to describe for my heart this morning is just heavy. Uh, further transition, but just some other things that have happened in my family's life over this weekend. And we sold our house last week and moved our stuff to Louisville. And there's just a lot going on personally uh, in, in my family and our lives. And so I know there's a lot that could potentially distract my heart from the simplicity and the beauty of what it is that we're about to do over the next few minutes together, looking in to God's word. My body's tired and uh, my mind in some ways are dis- is distracted. And so this is where I'm at. I just want to hold my cards out there. And so I don't know about you. I don't know that w- what it is that you're bringing in to uh, this place this morning, but I'm just going to ask you to give it to God right now. I don't know what burden that might be distracting your mind or what might keep you from um, seeing the beauty of what it is that we're uh, saying in the word this morning. So I just want to give us a moment. I know we prayed a lot, uh, but I don't think we can pray too much, can we? And what I want to do is just give you a second to pause and just be silent uh, and, and whatever it is that is on your heart. And maybe you come in with great joy on your heart this morning and just spend some time in thankfulness to God that that's the case. Uh, but that for the next few minutes, we would lean in and listen to what he has to say to us uh, today. So I'm going to give you a second just to bow and remove distractions, whatever that might look like for you. And I'm going to pray for us in just a moment, okay? Father, you are our help, and you are our refuge. You are our satisfaction. So we come needing you now. And so, God, I pray what we know not, will you please teach us? What we have not, will you please give us? And what we are not, will you please make us? For the glory of you, Father, we pray these things. Jesus, in your Son's name we come, and through his finished work on our behalf, in our place, for our sins. And by your power of your Spirit, that we are sons and daughters of yours. Make us like Jesus now, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, if you know anything about Acts 2... We're seeing the church of the living God birthed and formed. So we've been walking over that for the last few weeks. We're seeing the beginnings of the early church, the history that our faith and all that we're doing here this morning and our lives is rooted in. So how did this thing start it? And so because of this series and also because of the calling that God's put on uh, my wife and I's life as we've prayed about this, all that God is doing in us to be transitioning from here, to be sent out, 
plant churches in Denver, Colorado, and to specifically try to engage unreached, unengaged people groups around the world, and in many ways be a continuation of what it is that we've given our lives to over the last decade here. Uh, we've been asking a particular question as we've looked ahead, allowing God to let us dream and vision of what this might look like and what it is that God's calling us into as we've cast vision to people who are prayed about coming with us. We've been asking a particular question. And also as we're kind of on this, in this transitionary period, we've looked back a lot and we've been thinking about our time here at this church and other churches that we've been a part of through our journey with, with Christ. And I've been asking, just thinking back and being nostalgic and thinking about the people and the names and the stories of life change and how God's worked in our lives and what it means um, to be a part of the church. And I've, I've asked, this is the question that I'm asking, and I think this text causes us to ask, and maybe in a hope in a fresh way uh, this morning, what is the church? Really? Like, what is it? And I, and I know for so many of us, we've grown up in and around the church. We've heard so many different things about the church. We have so many different experiences about the church. And we all have our own answers to that. But let me just pause for a second and ask you to really think about how you would answer that question. What is the definition of the church? And then when we start to frame that definition a little bit, we've got to ask ourselves the question, what does it mean to be a part of the church? Really? That doesn't just mean your attendance here this morning. I think that we all can, can understand that, of what it means to be a part of a local church. Uh, it's, it's maybe one of the most important questions you'll ever ask yourself. What does it mean? So many people have asked us that, like, okay, wait a second, you're going to plant a church. Does that mean you're going to buy a building and, like, move it and put it in the middle of Denver, Colorado? Like, what you, when you say plant a church, what does that mean? And I'm just going to be honest, I've asked a lot of a hope, honest questions about that. Because I know for so many of us, we can begin to answer that question from our experiences and all that the church has become for us. Some of which might be dangerous, but most of which is good. It's all good, all the things that we would think of. This is church. I came to church this morning, right? Rather than, no, I think there's something much deeper going on and what it means for your life and for your family's life and what it means to be the local church. And I think because some of us have our own experiences, we're seeing through our own particular lenses, but no culture and no experience has a full holistic expression of the church. Uh, David Platt, some of you guys know his stuff, and if you ever want to doubt everything in your life, listen to him preach because he's going to make you convicted of sin and really challenge you into obedience. But he, I came across this quote uh, this week from uh, David Platt. And he says, what if so much of the way that we view the church has more to do with our view of America and our culture here than it is the scriptures? That's really compelling and very convicting to think about. How much of, when I think church, it's more defined by our culture than it is the scriptures. But then if you are like so many of us, we've traveled the world and you've seen the church express itself in so many different ways and all of the beautiful diversity that is the body of Christ. And you travel the world and you're going to realize that church looks and feels and is experienced a lot differently in other parts of the world than it is here. And America has our own strengths, but make no mistake, we have our own pitfalls and our idols, do we not? But you go over to this culture and you may see some of the, the corrections that they're getting at some things that I think we tend to miss in American Christianity. But they have their own gaps. They have their own weaknesses. They're missing things. So we can't look at any one experience and say, now that 
is the church. That is what we need. Because so many of us, when I say, what do you think of when you think of church? You think of this building. You think of the programs, the initiatives that we do, all of which are sweet gifts. I'm so thankful that God has allowed us to be debt-free on our facilities. These are gifts from the Lord's hand. Praise God for these things. But brothers and sisters, make sure that our understanding of the church is not limited to what we're doing right now. It's never less than this, but I think God's calling us in a lot more uh, than just this. And so many of us, based on our experiences and maybe some of our bents and our personality traits and maybe even our spiritual gifts, maybe when I say, what do you think of when you think of church, the thing that's most important to, like, if we're going to be a faithful New Testament, Bible-believing, gospel-centered church, this is what we should be about. Some of us would say, you know what that is? It's truth. We've got to be people about the Word, man. I mean, it's all about truth. But some people will say, well, yeah, it's about truth, but it's really about belonging. Like, I, I kind of, the church, when I think of church, I think of relationships, people that I'm engaging with. It's all about having a place to belong. Maybe some of us would say, I mean, I don't really care about all that. You know what church is about? Church is about obedience. It's about a place about morality. It's about structures and holiness. We're here to be a people who pursue holiness. Some other people would be like, listen, all you guys talking about your inward focus, we're supposed to be about lost people. Go out and find lost people, share the gospel. While we have all these Bible studies, we're going to go out and get to the mission field because there's all these lost people we're supposed to share the gospel with. Some of you, that's maybe what you would try to say and correct. Some people are like, listen, I know we are called to mission and I know we're called to holiness and study, but you just got to understand there's so many people that are hurting and the church should be about care. The church should be about a place for counseling to happen and deep soul care needs. Uh, There's a place where they are met. Still others would say, I mean, guys, listen, no, 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 it's not about us. It's about justice and activism and social justice where we're supposed to serve our city and love the poor and see brokenness set right and see the kingdom of God come in every area of life. Like that should be the church. That's what we should, should be about. And then still others would say, well, I mean, it's really about emotional experiences for me church when I think of church it should be what we just did I mean it's the spiritual gifts at play and it's an emotional experience corporately and worship and song and it's it's all about my emotional and my my one relationship with God but here's the point I don't think any of us would see that list and say nothing should be on that list right all of those things are really good, and if we're not, all of those things are faithful. And, but we tend to kind of adopt the one or two things that we're most passionate about, the things that we're most gifted in, and we kind of make an other to everybody else and all the other initiatives. And what we're saying, if we're ever going to grow up in every way into Jesus and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, then we must be a church that is perfectly balanced and holistically giving ourselves to all of those things. When we think of church, it should be much more balanced than that. It's not just a one or two things that we tend to say, I'll do that because that's my thing. Everything else, I just don't even know if we should waste our time with it. They're distractions to what really matters. Brothers and sisters, none of us have that holistic perspective. We need to submit ourselves to the Word. And that's what we see here in Acts chapter 2. is a descriptive account of the early church. After uh, Peter preaches and all these people become Christians, they repent and they believe, and they're baptized, and they're followers of Christ now. 3,120 people, they didn't just go about their everyday lives picking and choosing what obedience would look like. Instead, we, what we see is in the next verse, that's 41, the Lord added to that day 3,000 souls. Verse 42 gives us a picture, a snapshot 
of what their life looked like moving from that. So let's read this uh, together, this descriptive summary, almost like a, a documentary, if you will, that we get to get a peer into what did the early church do? What did it look like for them? What was their response to the gospel? So let's read Acts 2, 42 through 47. The words will be up on the screen behind me. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Isn't that beautiful? It's compelling. As you look at that and you peer into it and say, man, that is just remarkable. And I think something in us wells up that longs for that. And in so many ways, I hope and pray that is true of so much of what we do here. You see this, like, yeah, I, I've experienced some of this. But I think if we're all honest, this church, any church, you read this and you have to say, there's something in me that wants this so desperately. And I look at the vision that God's painted for the church and all that she is and all that Christ has died for, for us to become this beautiful image and other places in Scripture of what it means to be the church. And then I, I experience my experiences and I say, I don't know that those two things line up. And I, I, who could have some vulnerability this morning and say, over the course of my life, at this church or any other church, I've experienced some of the deepest pain in the church. Can anybody be brave and raise their hand? Like, that's me. I've experienced some hurt in the church. Well, I, I figured a lot more hands would be raised up. I can raise my hand on that. And it's not because somebody's necessarily sinned against me in some weird way. It's that we're all broken and messy as we're pursuing this vision of Jesus and what he's called us to be. And then we're trying to live it out. It's going to be broken. I will let you down. You will let me down. We will hurt one another. And in so many ways, this is true of us. And in so many ways, there is so much more that I think the Spirit is calling us into. And I'm just asking God to say, what do we do with this text? How do we approach this? And there's a few ways that I think we can do it. And I don't think any of these that I'm about to say are healthy. Here's how we're tempted to do it. The first one would be read this account and just see it as mere history. And look into it and say, Okay, that was great. That's what happened 2,000 years ago. This is just a descriptive account. It has nothing to do with my life. This is just something I need to know about early church history, and this is what they did, and let's move on from it. Just almost dismissing it entirely as this is just describing what happened. Or we can say we're going to go to the other extreme, and we're going to take painstaking accuracy to try to develop initiatives and strategies and programs and try to manufacture these things. So here's what they did. So let's try to figure out a way and a logo for us to actually achieve this thing. And we try to manufacture this stuff. Or I think we can go to the other side and say, you know what, these are and cynicism and being jaded from our past experiences perhaps or our self-centered concern for ourselves and say, I don't know if it's either one of those. These are just great ideas. I would love to see this happen, but I don't think we should ever structure anything around it. This should just happen and we get frustrated that it never is our experience. 
And what I'm asking is for all of those things to just be shattered this morning as we look into it. So we shouldn't just go and say, how do we do every little thing that they did and form out whatever that would look like? Nor should we just dismiss it and move on. But we should have a posture of obedience to say there's convictions in this text that they were living out. These things were in response to something that radically changed their lives. And these things were the overflow of something more, something deeper. That I don't think that if you were to ask this church, tell me about your church, that they would have described necessarily what Luke describes here per se. I think they would have held out that these things are not something that we just dreamt up in a room and whiteboarded out and let's go do it. It was what happened with intentionality and organization, of course from a response to something more. And so here's what I want us to do before we jump in any more to this, is we have to begin to shift our perspective a little bit of what the church is. So here's a statement for you to think through this a little bit. We must fight the tendency to confuse what the church is with what the church does. We must, conf- we must fight the tendency to confuse what the church is with what the church does. Now make no mistake, what the church does matters. Our activity is important. But listen, every activity for the Jesus follower and for a church corporate should flow out of first our identity. If you don't understand rightly who you are, you're never going to understand what you should be doing. And we're going to approach this in some weird way. That we're either going to try to bolt this onto our life or that we're just going to completely ignore it if we don't understand this cosmic understanding of the church. The church. of What it is that Christ has purchased and accomplished for us. So here's a a test to see if we're seeing this wrongly, okay? If I were to ask you, tell me about your life group. How's your life group going? Or explain to me your church. Let's uh, let's just imagine I'm not a pastor here. I'm one of your neighbors. He's like, hey, trust these Baptist church. Tell me about your church. What do you say? How do you fill in that blank after they ask you that question? I think for so many of us, we can enter into what we do. So you maybe describe Pastor Mike's awesome preaching or the family discipleship plan or share week and all these things that we're about and church planting and all these things. This is what our church, this is Trustees Baptist Church. You start telling me about your life group and tell me how it's going. And you might say, well, no one really shows up. When they do, they're not on time. They never bring the snacks they're supposed to bring. Can I get a witness to anybody? That person just won't stop talking. Anybody got that in your life group? Don't point, but I know you have that person in your life group. And we, we begin to describe how that, listen, that two-hour, one-and-a-half-hour block, however long it's supposed to be, Wes, I don't know, a two-hour block of a life group, and we begin to describe what's happening in that environment. Rather than describing to me, I want to know, how are the people? When I ask you how your life group is, tell me, are people growing in Christ-likeness? Are they repenting of their sins? Are they being obedient to mission, are they growing? When I ask you to describe our church, yes, all the things that we do, it matters. But listen, that's not who we are. And I know it's so hard, and again, this is not an either or. It's a both and. It's a glorious yes. But listen, all the things that we do that you're charged to be obedient and be involved with are obedient, and they're not secondary, but listen, it's coming up underneath of these are the people of God. The word church literally means ecclesia or assembly, gathering. So before it's ever how we organize ourselves and what we do together, it's first people who have been ransomed by Jesus. You know who you are? 
You are loved sons and daughters of God. You know who you are? You are chosen and beloved. You know who we are? We are brothers and sisters. We are forgiven. You are empowered by the Spirit. You do have a mission. You are sent. That's who you are. That's what the church is. Now, out of that reality should come a lot of doing and structured doing. But if we don't get that right, all of this is always going to not feel exactly what it should be. And it came to me so in such a fresh way as I was reading this text this week. Again, these 3,120 believers and counting and growing. I just see that in, as a number and an idea. And I think I picture something in my mind of them all gathered together. But I just feel like the Spirit revealing me this week, of like those are people. They have faces. They have stories. They have weaknesses and gifts. And so when you hear 3,120, here's all that they did. Don't just try to figure out on the flow chart how that worked. Like these are people that God has redeemed. And together this us that God is creating is to the praise of the glory of his grace. The church is one of the most beautiful things in all the world. It's how Christ gets his glory through the church. And I'm just praying he expands our view of it. So when is the last time you thanked God for the church? And by church, I mean the people. Even the messy ones. Because guess what? We're messy. All of us. What about all those hypocrites? And I get it. But welcome, you'll fit right in, right? <laughs> It'll hit some of you later and you'll, you'll oh, that was, that was intense. Here you go. So stop looking at your watch here. I'm going to slow down on this one verse. And you're going to be like, we're never getting out of here. And you might be right. But I'm going to move quicker in the back end. But here's, I want to camp out in verse 42. Just a few words here. And they devoted themselves. Stop. That's what we're going to look at for just a second. Here's three convictions that I feel like I, we need to wrestle with as the local church here. Number one, we instead of me. Just they. This whole passage is in the context of community, plurality of people. It's not individualistic. It's very much an us. So I hear people say all the time, my church is the lake. Or my church is one or two buddies sitting around coffee talking about these things. Brothers and sisters, I love you. That's not a church. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. We say that all the time. Here's a statement I heard someone say one time. You can be a Christian by yourself. You can. But you cannot be a church by yourself. There is a, is a necessity to this us-ness about the church. That you need your brothers and sisters. It's not optional how much we're engaged in one another's lives. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's to be, yes, saved personally and going to heaven when you die. But you also are saved into an us. People. It's they. All of this context is, is very much corporate. Here's the second one. Selfless commitment instead of self-centered convenience. I know it's a lot of preacher talk there, so let me read that again. Let's focus on what I, I say here. Selfless commitment instead of self-centered convenience. This is this word devoted. This word devoted has the idea of being set apart, to set aside something, to consecrate something for a particular task. It literally has the idea of giving yourself away. Some of your translations may even say that. The apostles gave themselves. 
to these things. Here's exactly what it means. Is that my life, listen, my life is to be given away, to be set aside for a particular purpose, for this glory of God, for the mission of God, and what he's inviting us into, and my part to play in it and a recipient of it. It's not optional. It's not about self-centered convenience that I'll engage and be devoted to the things that matter to me. It is a complete selfless commitment. And some people in our culture would say that our culture today, a millennial generation in particular, just don't want to be commit, committed to anything. And in some ways I see why we mean that, and it's true. But I don't think that's fully true. I think we don't have a problem with commitment. We're just committed to the wrong things. Because I know a lot of millennials that won't be committed to the church and the things of God, but they are ruthlessly committed to the things they're passionate about. And so I think what we really got to understand is if we're not devoted to the things we see in this text, that I pray you spend your week pouring over in your life group together and look at this, like what does this mean? And what, am I doing this? Am I devoted to these things? Committed to these things? Set My life is set aside for these things. That leads us into the third one, holistic obedience instead of compartmentalized involvement. This is themselves. So it was not their obedience to Jesus and their involvement with the church was not in compartments. Like, okay, there's a line here, Jesus, and you don't cross this. Or my involvement with the church is when I show up to a few things or as much or little as I want to be involved, and then I got my life over here. Or it's a bolt-on. I'll, I'll add church, add Jesus to my already busy existing life and my kingdom. It's not what, it's, it's not what you see here. There's a complete transformation of life. That church wasn't a thing that we attended. It was a people to whom you belong, and it impacted every part of these people. The verb here in Greek, if you study it, it's the devoted themselves is a continual, ongoing practice. That it wasn't just a one time they devoted themselves and moved on. It was a, it was a lifestyle. It was habitual, and it implies that it never ends. It's continual, ongoing for the rest of your life. It's being set aside, giving yourself away to a few things. So this text that we won't spend a lot of time with, um, as we get down to, you can read the notes online in the app. But it talks about the what that they did. What do they devote themselves to? What do they give themselves away to? And then you also see the results from that devotion. What happened when these people devoted themselves to these particular things? But I want to ask another question before we get into some of that. Why? Why would they devote themselves to these things? How would they do this. What's going to be the power to continue to give yourself away like that? To be about we instead of me. Like what's going to change us to do that? Well, here's a statement for us. The church is not formed mainly by our devotion. Although God calls every person in this room, if you're a follower of Christ, to be devoted to the church. And to be devoted to him. But the church is not mainly formed by what we do. Here's what the church is mainly formed by. The devotion of Jesus. Jesus says in John 17, as he's praying that high priestly prayer for us, he says these words that I'm, Jesus says, I've consecrated myself so that they might be sanctified. Consecrated and sanctified, those words still have the same idea as the word devoted. Jesus, here's what he says, I'm giving myself away so that they could give themselves away and be set apart for something bigger. I'm going to lay down my life and sacrifice and pour it all out to where there's nothing left so that these people could experience this. I'm purchasing what it means to be the church for them. So here's the big idea. The only thing, listen, the only thing that will compel 
and sustain us to give ourselves away, to be devoted to God and others, is the transforming reality that God gave himself away for us. As you see where we are, man, this is my experience, it's good, it's bad, it's whatever it is for you, and you see this compelling picture and all throughout the scriptures of what the church could be and should be and what Jesus is forming in us, the only thing that's going to get us from here to there is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to see what, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. When you begin to see that Jesus is everything, that's how the church was birthed. They heard the gospel and they experienced the resurrected Christ. And these things happened as a result. There's an overflow of this. So listen, if we're not doing these things, it's fundamentally not a doing problem. It's a worship problem. That if we're not devoted to these things, the answer, please hear me, is not, okay, where's the list of all the things I need to start doing? I'm, you're right. I'm convinced. No, no, no. Yes, do that and move forward in obedience. But listen, first, have your heart transformed by this reality that God has given himself away to you. And we are now invited, the privilege to give ourselves away for his mission, for his glory, for the people of God. So, I just want to approach the rest of this this sermon here just as a charge to you guys, as I love you so much, this family of faith. um, Is here's what I would just say to you as my all emotional, my last sermon as your pastor, one of your pastors here. So, Tri Cities, give yourself away to be holistically transformed by the Word of God. You know what they gave themselves away to? Says the apostles' teaching. The Word. The Word. They gave themselves to know it. And not just to hear it, but to do it. The Great Commission is not just to know everything Jesus commanded in the Word, but it's to obey everything Jesus commanded. They gave themselves to the Word. So let me ask you, church family, I love you. Are you immersed in the Word of God? Are you saturating your mind in the Scriptures? Are you teachable? Here's the thing. Are you teaching others? And even if you're not called to be a teacher, you don't have the gift of teaching, if you don't have a formal role of a teacher here, the Bible says that all of us are to speak the word of God to one another. Is that true of you? Are you obeying all that you know? All these study groups we attend, and yes, please keep attending the study groups. Go deep, because that's how we're going to be transformed. But what are you doing with all that you know? Are you obeying it by the power of the Spirit in community? Together, trust cities, please give yourself away to be holistically committed to each other. They gave themselves away, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. It's a rich word of koinonia, of this rich intimacy with one another that Christ has already purchased for us. And our fellowship, First John says, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That we experience the oneness with God and intimacy with God as we experience oneness and intimacy with each other. Are you giving yourself? Have you committed yourself to other people? Here's another one. Trust cities. Give yourself away to be holistically shaped by the gospel. Because they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And commentators kind of argue about this, what breaking the bread meant, but most will agree it's the Lord's table, it's communion, it's the supper. As we come together, it says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me, Jesus says. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's the admonition of when they gathered together, they were reminding one another of the gospel. Being shaped together by the gospel. Is that true of you? Are you committed to those things? It says, and the prayers. 
There's this idea that they were constantly, desperately dependent on God for everything. And so I'm not even going to ask you how your prayer life is in some legalistic way. I want you to say, what, why is my prayer life the way it is? Not just how is it, but why is it the way it is? Because if we're not praying, it has everything to do with the way we see the gospel. Maybe you're not praying because you have sin in your life and you know your failures and you think you've got to clean yourself up before you can go to God. If you're not praying for that reason, it's because you don't fully understand the richness of what Christ has done for you. Or here's this, maybe we don't understand the gospel and the reason we don't pray is because we don't think we need him. I'm just going through my life and my illusions of self-sufficiency and the reason I don't pray is because I really don't think I need God. I'm not understanding the gospel that I am a sinner and he is the Savior and I'm called to repent and then experience the boldness of him telling me who I am because of his work for me. Are you doing that? So uh, as a response, here's what I want to do uh, for the rest of this text. That's what they devoted themselves to. That's what they gave themselves away to is the word of God, the people of God, the gospel of God, and dependence and intimacy with God in prayer. That's what they gave themselves to. And here's the rest of this text is what happened as a result. And so I was just, I've got three minutes left. Anybody think I can do this? Nope. Okay, I didn't think so either. I've got five pastoral prayers I'm praying for you. And even as I knew I was doing this sermon, uh, I've just been journaling this out. And so many of what I'm saying here is just out of my prayer journal, praying for Tri-Cities Baptist Church. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do that. Up there, like I could maybe try to exegete this a little bit. I just want to give you five pastoral prayers as I'm being you're sending us out to the mission field. This is what I'm praying for you. First, God, awaken our souls to be in awe of you. Give us eyes to see who you are. Do you know what happened? They devoted themselves, awe came upon every soul. So, let me ask you, how's your soul? Pastor Mike asked us that earlier. It's a great question. Have you lost your awe of God? And if, if the answer to that question is yes, listen, I don't care what you're doing this afternoon, lock yourself in a room with the word of God and just beg him to God, give me my awe back. I want to see you for who you are. How are you seeing God wrongly right now? What lies are you believing about him? And I'm asking that God would awaken us to see him. And that this would happen as a result of what God's doing in our midst and because of who he is, that all would just well up in us. Here's the second one. God, save us from our illusions of self-sufficiency. Fill us with your spirit. Since many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And we can disagree about spiritual gifts and how all this works today, but the point of it is this. For the mission to advance, for God to get glory, and for the church to be built up, they were desperate for the Spirit of God to do in them what they could not do for themselves. And God did miraculous things to show that this is true. So is that true of you? Are you surrendered to the Spirit? Do you know your spiritual gift, and are you using it? Are you living your life with a conscious reality of, God, I need your Spirit to do this? Does your life only make sense in light of the gospel being true? Are you living a life that requires dependence on the Spirit? So listen, I don't care what's going on in your life right now. I'm, my marriage, listen, you can have a good marriage. You know why? Because of the Spirit. You can be the leader that God's called you to be because of the Spirit. You can disciple your kids because of the Spirit. You really can leverage your life on mission and speak the gospel to people because of the Spirit of God. You can do things like 
relocate your life if God were to call you to do so among an unreached people group or to relocate and leverage your job to places like Denver, Colorado to plant churches because of His Spirit. It's not up to us and our abilities and it's not hindered by our weaknesses. Can I get a Amen for that. Like, praise God. He's given us his spirit. Do you know him? And are you walking every day in obedience with him? God, pry open our grip on our own little kingdoms and give us the freedom of self-forgetfulness. This word together is all throughout this text. They were together. They were together in their unity. They had all things in common. They were together in their generosity and their compassion. Listen, they knew each other's needs and said, we will get rid of anything that we need or that we don't need and things that we might even need and sacrifice for the good of other people. We're caring for one another. They were together in their compassion for one another. They were together with their daily lives. Verse 46 says, day by day. Every day we're living life together. And then together in our pursuit, it says they attended the temple together and then they broke bread in homes. Is they were pursuing God and the things of God together in such a way, big, small groups, it doesn't matter. We're together in our pursuit of the things of God. Are you? Fourth, God, guard us from doing a lot of good things while missing the main thing. Release us to not take ourselves too seriously. Here's what it says. They received their food with glad. That word glad means joyous. And they received their food with generous hearts. In some translations, and the word kind of means simplicity, a humbleness, a humility about themselves. That they didn't puff themselves up in pride, and they didn't think less of themselves. They just forgot themselves. And every day they were enjoying the little gifts of God in their joy and in their simplicity and in their self-forgetfulness. And the result of that is they praise God. Are you enjoying him in everything, in all the little gifts of his hand? Are you living life in those ways? I'm praying that we just get freed up from this need to be needed and control and just to realize that everything we have comes from his hand and he's a good father. Here's the last one. God, form in us vision, urgency, and a posture of obedience towards your mission. Use us for your glory. Here's what happened as a result of this kind of church. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word favor with all the people literally means all the people, all the types of people, different classes and socioeconomic strata in their city and in the church. They just had favor with people. And listen, does your life beckon that? Are you attracting the same type of people that Jesus attracted? If not, we might not preaching, be preaching the same kind of message that Jesus was preaching the kind of life that Jesus was living. If you were to move away, would your neighborhood notice? I've been, I've been so convicted by this as we pulled our, our U-Haul out of our driveway, out of our neighborhood for the last time last week, looking at my neighbors, some of whom we've shared the gospel with, many of whom I look and say, I think I was so self-centered with my time that I missed what I could have done in the last two and a half years of living in this house. I think God's used us and we've been faithful, but I pulled out going, I don't know that I have favor with all these people that they saw something in us. I think we wasted so much because I wanted to come home and veg out <laughs> instead of letting God use us. It says, listen, as we give ourselves to this, it says the Lord 
will add our, to our number day by day, those who are being saved. He says, I promise I'm working around you. I'm inviting you to join me in what I'm doing in the world. And I promise to give fruit from this kind of church, this kind of pursuit. Give yourself away to these things, and God promises to form and shape us into what this would look like at Tri-Cities. And I'm asking for a vision of what does Acts 2, 42 through 47 look like here? It might not look exactly like this, but what would it look like if we gave ourselves away to Jesus and his mission? What would he do in us? God, would you let it be so? If you'll pray with me, bow your head. I just want to ask us a couple questions as we finish up here. So the one question I have for you is have you given yourself away? Like, have you really given yourself away? And so if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christian, um, or maybe you're here and you came in thinking that you were a Christian, and what you heard from the Word uh, this morning may say, I don't know that I'm really following the real Jesus. I don't know that I've ever experienced Him the way you're talking about, that Jesus gave Himself away from me? Like, what? So if you've never seen your sin for what it is, is rebellion against God, and therefore you're separated from Him and dead in your sins. If you've never seen that you make a really bad Lord over your life, and you've never seen what Jesus has done for you and His person and His work, as He took your place on the cross and rose again, and He's exalted in the heavens now and commands everybody everywhere to repent and believe in Him. If you've never experienced that to the point that you've trusted, turned from all of your sin and you trusted Jesus as your Savior and turned from all of yourself and your self-reliance and said, Jesus, you are my Lord, you're my King, I'm going to invite you to do that right now. Be transformed right now. Say, Jesus, I receive this gift of salvation. I repent. I turn from this. I don't want it anymore. Change me. And he will. And if you have more questions about what that means, I would love to dialogue with you. This church would love to walk alongside you. Ask the person that brought you. Go to your life group and talk about these things. But engage with us. This is the most important thing in all the universe throughout all eternity. And for the rest of us, have you given yourself away to the word? Have you given yourself away to community and the people of God? Have you given yourself away to worship and the presence of God through the gospel and remembering that and walking in obedience to be changed from the inside out? Are you giving yourself away to prayer and saying, God, I need you to move and do what I can't do in myself? And then we trust God to do all the rest. He would call us to be worshipers and generous people and sacrificing people and missional people as a result of our giving ourselves away. And for all of us, we just invite us to look to the one who gave himself away for us. Set your affection and your attention again on Jesus, who became nothing that we could have everything. He was cast out that we could be brought in. He was crushed that we could be forgiven and accepted. And look at him, see that sacrifice, and let us, it compel us to mission and community and disciple-making and generosity. Be transformed from the inside out, that he might get glory through the people. And I pray, so Father, Lord, I pray for these people. I thank you for Tri-Cities Baptist Church. I ask that you would continue to shape us more and more to the image of the Son together corporately and as people individually. I thank you for the people that make up this place. I thank you for the people that have invested in me and I love you more because of these folks. I pray you bless them. I pray you continue to advance the work here. More and more people would come to know you. I pray a day does not set 
The sun does not set on the time that Tri-Cities does not go a day without somebody being added to the kingdom because of their faithfulness and influence. I pray you do that work in us. Day by day, you add to this fellowship and add to the kingdom as a result. That more churches will be planted, more lives changed. For the glory and the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.